Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, uh, verse, uh, chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Uh, John 19, verse 25 through 27. If you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? Jesus is on the cross, actively dying, and we pick up with our scripture this morning. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, Here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. may be seated. So I think we've all been there uh, at least once in our lives. And by there, I mean we've been standing in line waiting to be chosen. You ever stood in a line waiting to be chosen? Maybe it was for a game of uh, baseball or softball or a game of basketball or, or something not entirely sports. Or maybe it was like me and it was a game of kickball. I'm standing in, in the line waiting to be chosen to find out which team I'm going to be a part of. You ever been there? You ever been waiting to be chosen? I was about 9 or 10 years old. It's elementary school recess. There's two captains choosing teams. Obviously, these are the two more athletic uh, students in the class. And so I'm standing on the third baseline along with everyone else waiting to be chosen. Now, as you can see from this picture, that's called courage, people. I showed that to you. That's called, as you can see, I was a natural athlete. Uh, So why would it ever take long for me to be picked for a game of kickball, right? So as I saw each captain uh, choose one, did I I tell you to leave that up there? No, it's fine, okay. It's fine, it's fine. So as I saw each captain choosing uh, more and more kids to be chosen for their team, you can imagine the shock that was on my face. Still not me. So here I am waiting to be chosen, only to see everyone else in front of me in my class be chosen to be on a team. I was literally the last person chosen to be on a team for kickball. Now, obviously, I'm here before you. I have recovered. (laughs) I've recovered from this devastating experience, and I'm here to stand before you to say that my name is Alan Kaysen, and yes, I was the last person chosen for a game of kickball during fourth grade recess. You were the best one on the BDS team. Well, things change. But I joke about this. Seriously, you can take that picture. I don't know what I, don't, I didn't put a blank slide in there, but that's just annoying me. But uh, I, I joke about this. 
but whether you're aware of this or not, I think there's something deep inside of us all that we want this, we want to belong. There's something hardwired in us that causes us to want to, to belong to something, a group, a people, to something, a team. And, and it's heartbreaking, devastating when we are told or when it, we feel like we don't belong. It could be as small as being last for a game of kickball or as big as your family never really accepting you and loving you. But being told that you're not welcome or feeling that you aren't accepted is one of the worst feelings in the world. But let me tell you, in case you don't already know or maybe you have forgotten this morning, that God loves you and God wants you and God desires for you to be a part of his family, to belong to him. God wants you to know that with him you always have a place, you will always belong. We see this evidenced in Jesus. God loves us so much that he sent his very own son to save us from our sins, to, to, to pay a penalty that we deserved, to pay a penalty that we couldn't pay ourselves. You see, because there is sin, there is no way for us to be reconciled with God. There is no way for us to be reunited with God, except if someone sinless, someone perfect, someone righteous were to die as a sacrifice for our sins. And that's exactly what Jesus did. This is exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross in our scripture. And because of Jesus, if we're willing to put our faith in him and our trust in him, then we're able to be brought back into a right relationship with God. We are brought back to where we belong. Our God is a God who wants, to know, wants us to know that we belong. We belong with him and in him, and only when we are with God does our life have real meaning and real purpose. We get a small glimpse of this with Jesus on the cross. We have been looking at the last seven words of Christ, uh, more like phrases of Christ, and, and so we, uh, each of these phrases gives us a glimpse into God and who God is and what's going on on the cross. We've looked at the word of forgiveness Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. This is the first words that come out of his mouth on the cross, are words of forgiveness. We looked last week at the word of hope that Jesus spoke to one of the criminals hanging there on the cross beside him. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. And today we look at the word of belonging. Now, as Jesus hung there on the cross, we know there were crowds of people there watching. We know about the Romans who super, supervised the crucifixion, who also mocked Jesus. We know that the Jewish leaders were there. They also mocked him. And, of course, there were ordinary people like you and me just kind of watching the spectacle unfold. But then there's this other group. They were friends and family of Jesus watching their friend, their family member die. In our passage from John, we see that Jesus' mother Mary was there. Her sister was there. Jesus' aunt was there. We also learned that Mary Magdalene was there. We also learned that the disciple whom Jesus loved was there. This is believed to have been the disciple John. We know from the rest of the Gospels that Peter, James, and John, they formed this sort of inner circle 
uh, amongst the 12 disciples. They kind of had a special relationship with Jesus. And so this phrase, the disciple that Jesus loved, doesn't mean that Jesus loved John more than the others. It just means that Jesus had a special bond with John. Probably similar to the way that Jesus had with Peter and James. And if John is truly writing this gospel, then he, he probably wouldn't use his own name as he's writing. So we have Mary, Jesus' mother, his aunt, Mary Magdalene, and the disciple John standing there watching Jesus die. Must have been unbearable for them to watch. And I imagine it was heartbreaking for Jesus as he saw them below him. I'm sure he wished they would simply just turn away. If he had breath, he would just say, turn away. Don't watch. But as they're looking at him, instead of saying, turn away, Jesus says these words of belonging to Mary and to John. He says, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, to John, here is your mother. What powerful words to say and to hear. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary to hear those words, her son dying? what it must have been like for John. Let me give you a little background to the situation. We know that Mary and Joseph were Jesus' earthly parents. We know that Joseph was a carpenter, and most likely Jesus took on uh, that trade and learned from his father about the family business. And so at some point, Joseph was able to pass on his knowledge and skills to Jesus. The last time that Joseph is mentioned in the Gospels Um, is when Jesus is 12 and and Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple. They think they've lost Jesus only to come back to the temple and realize that Jesus was there the whole time. So scholars believe that Joseph died before Jesus began his earthly ministry. So we assume that at some point between the time Jesus was 12 and 30, Joseph died. So that makes Mary a widow. No one to really take care of her. We also know that Jesus had at least four brothers and two sisters, probably more. However, what we learn in John 7 is that early on in Jesus' ministry, his brothers did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, can you blame them? Can you imagine if you found out your brother or sister was the Messiah, the Savior of the world? Yeah, him? Her? You kidding me? He was their older brother. He was Jesus. He couldn't be the Messiah. We know that later on, the second eldest brother, James, later became a believer. We believe he's the one that wrote us the the book of James that we have in our scripture in the Bible. And we know that he became a leader in the church in Jerusalem, but we don't know when he started to believe and to follow Jesus. So it is very possible that as Jesus is hanging there, dying on the cross, He's looking down at his mother and the beloved disciple. His heart leaps for them. It burns for them. Mary, being a widow, won't have anyone to take care of her. We know that she was a believer. She followed Jesus everywhere he went. Would Jesus' unbelieving brothers and sisters really take care of her? And John, the one whom Jesus loved and trusted, his his rabbi, Jesus, was dying. Three years of his life, of purpose-driven life, 
was seemingly coming to an end, what was he going to do now? Well, Jesus gives him purpose. Jesus entrusts to John's care, his mother, two people, Mary and John, who seemingly could find themselves without meaning or purpose in life, suddenly have those very things from Jesus. They now belong to each other. And that is what Jesus offers us all. A place to belong. A life full of meaning and purpose. When we were living in Vidalia, uh, whenever I would go to Kristen's parents' house, um, I would uh, usually always go the same route. You ever go somewhere and you just always go the same route no matter what you do? And so you see the same things over and over again when you're going the same route. So I'd usually take Highway 15 and go up to Tennell. And when I get up to Tennell, I'd take some back roads to get to Davisboro and their house. And so um, I came to a familiar four-way stop one day. And on my left, a whole section of land had been cleared of timber. You ever ridden by the same piece of land and suddenly one day all that, all that wood's gone, all those trees are gone? And suddenly all this, it, it, it makes quite an impression. So the difference without the tree is a big difference. I looked over this land and I, and I, and I noticed this and I took this picture. I hope you can see it. You see that little tree there? You see it? Yeah, the stick. One small tree standing in the midst of rubble. Now, I never quite understood why they do that. Some of you guys could probably tell me why. There's probably a reason. They clear out all this land, take out all these trees. They just leave this one little tree. Poor guy. I mean, like, I just want to say, hey, you missed that one. But I guess that little tree just spoke to me. Because I got to thinking, I think a lot of us feel like this little tree, you know, if this tree had feelings. I think a lot of us feel alone. It's like we're standing in the middle of nowhere and we're alone. Now, unlike this tree, we may actually be surrounded by a whole bunch of people. But just because you're in a group doesn't mean you can't feel lonely. I'm telling you, there... There were a lot of kids on that field back in fourth grade playing kickball. I'm still dealing with this, guys. <laughs> but I felt awfully alone. I felt awfully alone. But you might be surrounded by coworkers. You might be surrounded by classmates. You may be surrounded by family members. You may be surrounded right here, your own church family but you may feel all alone. And then certainly when we're trying to hide, we're trying to hide our faults, we're trying to hide our sins, we're trying to hide our mistakes, when we're holding all that in and we're not confessing it and we're not sharing it, we can feel all alone, surrounded by everyone else, even those that we love. But let me tell you something. God never intended for you to be alone. God never meant for you to live this life by yourself. He wants us all to belong. 
In fact, the scripture says that all who call on the name of Christ and follow him, they are called children of God. Galatians 3.26, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. God is in the family business. He's in the belonging business. Just as he wanted John and Mary to know that they belonged and that their life, their life still had meaning, it still had purpose. Jesus wants us to know that through him, we are all children of God. You belong. You belong to the family of God. You might not feel accepted at home, but God welcomes you in his family. You might not feel accepted at school, but God wants you to know that you belong to him. You might not feel accepted, loved, and appreciated by a significant other, but God wants you to know that he loves you and he values you. You are a child of God. And this church, our church, any church, should be a place where people feel they belong. They feel welcomed and invited. We should do all that we can to help people find a place to belong. What a great image this morning. One of our wisest members, one of our youngest, there should be a place for everyone in between. This should be a place, and I feel like it is, a place where we all belong. We've all found out that we belong. It's our job to go and let everybody else know that they can belong too. There is no greater word of encouragement than to hear that you belong, especially when it's God who is speaking. You belong, and you belong to him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we continue to learn from Christ on the cross. We learned this morning that we belong to you. We belong to the family of God. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who feels alone, even though surrounded by, by people, let them have ears to hear that you love them, that we love them, and that we all belong to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.